New Year. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Happy New 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 Year, pal. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spread it like this. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. We Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. As if that doesn't sound sad enough, I am here to kick off a brand new decade, a brand new year of marking out Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans by myself. This is episode 465. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I can be followed at BTTG161. You can follow Chris, Chris Sweendog, Dave, Dave the Rave underscore MO, collectively at Marking Out. There is a t-shirt sale going on. I'm not sure when you're listening to this, but if you head over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out and use the code New Year, uh, let me just double check that code. Uh, yeah, New Year, you get 20% off. Goes till January 5th, so check it out. Buy some merch. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed their their New Year's Eve, their Christmas, their holiday season. Now it's time to start fresh, a new season of everything. But here I am by myself, like I said before, and uh, why wait? Just get right into some Monday Night Nitro, which kicks off with Kevin Owens... Coming out, speaking about Seth Rollins and Authors of Pain, and blaming them, telling them that, uh, saying that they're the reasons why the Rey Mysterio lost the U.S. Championship at Madison Square Garden to Andrade. Uh, to which Rollins and the AOP come out, threaten Kevin Owens. Kevin went to attack them, but they took him out. Samoa Joe makes the save. Uh, so Samoa Joe, I guess, is uh, full time on the roster again, and he's a big time babyface. Which, this whole segment leads to a big brawl with security pulling them apart. After this, it uh, they're in the, the locker room. Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe are being interviewed by Charlie Caruso. And Samoa Joe says that because of what Seth Rollins did, it guarantees that Kevin Owens will absolutely never be alone. And then they get kicked out of the building. But I, I think it's kind of cool. Uh, I don't think we've seen Samoa Joe team up with Kevin Owens in WWE, or I don't even know if on like the independent scene or anything. So it's an interesting new sort of angle that they're running with, with Samoa Joe being a face because we haven't, I don't know when the last time we saw a face Samoa Joe was, but the first match of the evening was Aleister Black defeating Buddy Murphy in a rematch from TLC, which I thought for sure like, I don't understand how you don't have Buddy Murphy win this match. Like, why give Aleister Black the two up on him? I didn't I didn't get that. But, of course, this match was, was also was, uh, really good. Uh, Buddy Murphy, I liked trying to use the top rope to pin Aleister Black instead of the, the middle rope or the bottom rope for some leverage. Trying to get that ultimate lev- leverage going on there. 
Um, and then I, I liked all the reversals that were, were happening here. Alistair Black hits the Black Mask twice in a row. I thought that was cool, and I fully expected Buddy Murphy to reverse that second one. Up next, Eric Rowan defeats Kip. Uh, he picks Kip up during the during the pin, hits the the monster, the claw holes, the claw hold slam for the one two three. It's really cool getting to see Kip out there doing his thing. Uh, Francis Kiplin Stevens, if you're on the East Coast independent scene. Uh, after that, we saw a a flare, a Charlotte Flair promo. She uh, enters the Royal Rumble as the first entrant of the 2020 Royal Rumble and then lays out a challenge, which Natalia answers, uh, which I, I, I didn't need to see this match. I don't need to see it anymore. We've seen it so many times since their match for the Women's Championship in NXT. And I thought that match was so good that like everything after it has not lived up to that one match. Flair picks up the victory here, but... It's like, I, I don't, I just don't need to see it. And I feel like the more they, they try to do it, the less good it is, kind of. And then during this match, our truth ran out, getting chased by all the 24-7 championship challengers. And I like the fact that Charlotte hits Eric Young with a big boot. I wish that was like something that we saw more of. I, I don't mind intergender wrestling. At all, so which I actually thought Charlotte might have even beaten our truth here for the championship. That didn't happen. Uh, after that, Becky Lynch was interviewed and announced that her and Oscar will be taking place at the Royal Rumble. And then she mentioned that her contract is coming up, and that's why management gave her the match, which I kind of didn't like. I felt like it was kind of Sort of Seth Rollins-esque, even though it was a completely different situation on Twitter. He was just simply standing up for the company. But I just thought it was off. I didn't like that. Uh, Up next, we saw a Liv Morgan promo, which had me think maybe we were going to be seeing Liv Morgan later that night or maybe next week. Um, So I was happy about that. For then, at least. But after that, we saw the OC cut a promo about Viking Raiders. Street Profits cut them off and spoke about how they beat the OC. Basically asking whether or not, since they beat the greatest tag team in the world, does that make them the greatest tag team in the universe? And one of them mentioned the multiverse, which I'm pretty sure we've seen, like, Matt Hardy mentioned before. Which is completely fine. Matt's doing his own thing in, uh, on YouTube, freeing the delete, which I'm pretty sure Bray Wyatt was uh, included on the, the last episode. But anyway, the, the Street Profits promo leads into a match with uh, the OC where the AJ Styles ends up getting tossed from the, the match because or ringside because he grabbed Dawkins' leg. And Street Profits pick up the victory. Um, I, I thought for sure maybe next week we would have seen some sort of like challenge between the Street Profits and another team, uh, another a member, another like a third person to partner up with against AJ Styles and the OC. But instead, 
they're doing a tag team championship match three-way between Street Profits, the OC, and the War, the Viking Raiders, which I thought we would have seen at the Royal Rumble. But that's going to be happening next week. After that, we saw Drew McIntyre take on and defeat both Hawkins and Ryder, uh, which was cool that... I mean, for me at least, I thought it was cool because they've been wrestling each other for over 12 years now. I saw Hawkins and Ryder as, I believe it was, I guess, Brian and Brett Major in uh, 2007 at the Nassau Coliseum in a dark match before SmackDown. They they defeated, or no, they lost to Drew McIntyre and Dave Taylor. So I just I thought that was kind of cool. Because, I mean, that was so long ago already. But uh, it was a standard, typical, like, overpowering, I'm Drew McIntyre, 2020 is my year. Which, hopefully it is. I said, I believe I said on the last episode that I want McIntyre to win the Raw Rumble. I've been saying forever now that McIntyre should be WWE Champion. We'll see where that goes. After that, we had Randy Orton come out on crutches. Due to an injury that took place at a live event in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And he said there's a good chance that he may not be able to come back from this injury. But he also spoke about WrestleMania. And it was kind of odd because he was like rambling and he starts mentioning how... Basically he mentions Edge which was kind of weird to me. It kind of seemed like out of place. Um... And then he and then he talks about WrestleMania like guaranteeing that he'll still like hit somebody with an RKO or something, which was weird because he's saying maybe I'll never be able to wrestle again, but I guarantee you I'll be at WrestleMania. Which AJ Styles comes out, cuts him off, taunts him like the I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. And he challenges Randy Orton to a match at WrestleMania, which we just saw at WrestleMania 35. And He kicks one of Randy Orton's crutches, and Randy Orton hits an RKO. And then does the the whole, like, stomp on the the injured, quote-unquote injured uh, knee, just to show that he's not injured. Which, it's fine. A lot of people were saying that, like, oh, this nothing compared to Mark Henry, blah, blah, blah. Mark Henry did it so much better. I didn't mind this segment at all. I don't I don't want to compare Mark Henry to the Randy Orton thing just because it was completely different to me because Randy Orton's was injury rather than I'm just retiring. So I I, I like the promo, which was kind of surprising to me because I've been finding Randy Orton somewhat boring for the past like decade, maybe. Maybe since two thousand nine. After this, they showed a promo from Rey Mysterio at Madison Square Garden about him getting a rematch next week against Andrade, as well as not counting him out against Authors of Pain and Seth Rollins. Which, uh, he says, I didn't start this, but I promise that when this is all over, I'll be standing tall. So I don't know if we're going to eventually see... Because like next week is weird because... Instead of having Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens and Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins and AOP, I don't know where we have Rey Mysterio versus Andrade, which leaves 
Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe to team up perhaps against AOP or something like that. Uh, but up next, we saw Andrade versus Sean Donovan, which ends in a no contest, which was cool to see Sean Donovan on Monday Night Raw. And the reason why it ends in a no contest was because Andrade went for that DDT out on the uh, the concrete. He lifted up the mat. Ricochet made the save and then challenged Andrade, um, which Andrade, I guess, accepted, went on to defeat Ricochet. Zelina Vega lifted up the ringside mat during this again, and uh, Andrade hit a back body drop to Ricochet on that the, the cement, the concrete floor. And then Zelina pushed Ricochet off the top rope, and Andrade hit the, the hammerlock DDT to win. Then the last segment of Monday Night Raw came... Which was, I was hoping it would open Monday Night Raw, but <laughs> stupid me, huh? It, it was Lashley and Lana's wedding, which Lana's first husband, quote-unquote, came out to stop the wedding. Lashley chokeslammed him. Then Lashley's first wife came out to object. Lana takes her out. And then finally, Liv Morgan makes her big return to object because she's in love with Lana. I wanted to see her with the fiend, but we're getting her with Lana. Lana attacks Liv, Liv fights back. There was an oversized cake in that ring that had to have been Rusev. Out pops Rusev. He brawls with Lashley and uh, man it, it ends with them brawling and Rusev and, and Liv Morgan standing tall. I, I don't... I personally... It was just such a goofy thing that took place. And bizarre. I, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know, man. And, and they, they had... they pit, I know, as per internet rumors, they pitched a lesbian angle... With Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. Where it seemed like they were going to be doing that. At the beginning of last year. And then it completely just like fizzled out. And got scrapped. If you watch Total Divas. They kind of went with that storyline. With Sonya Deville's girlfriend. Not being uh, okay with that angle. Which is maybe why it was scrapped. As per Total Divas. But I, I just for some reason. They scrapped it all together. And then they went with this. I know they both uh, tweeted like, I can't believe this or something. It was just a really weird segment. Uh, which I know, I'm pretty sure Dave enjoyed. I know a lot of people enjoyed. It's the highest YouTube rated segment. It it, it, overpa- it surpassed CM Punk's return. <laughs> I, I don't get it. But... Uh, next week they announced Brock Lesnar to be at Monday Night Raw. Nice for the uh, WWE Champion to show up. Um, but a- outside of Monday Night Raw, NXT was taped it's, this past week. It was like an award show, which I still I can't believe they decided to not do a live episode. Which AEW was live this past week at uh, the place in Jacksonville, Daly's Palace. Uh, I keep going to say Daly's Palace. It was Daly's Place, 
which I it's a, like such a weird venue for pro wrestling. I don't know how it is to like actually sit and watch it there because to me, if you're familiar with Jones Beach and amphitheater, just any normal amphitheater, like an outdoor venue, that's what it looks like to me, except a little smaller plus a roof on top. Uh, but as far as watching it on TV, I think it's it's definitely my favorite venue that AEW has been to. Uh, but a few matches that took place, you had, it was announced that Arn Anderson is now going to be in Cody Rhodes, uh, or just Cody's corner to like sort of mold him and shape him, which to me, I don't think for me, at least it does not do anything. I don't understand it. I don't get it. If Cody can't have a, uh, an AEW championship match, what is Arn Anderson in his corner going to do? For me, I don't I don't see any value of Arn Anderson or Tully Blanchard being on TV. I don't think Tully's done anything with with uh, Sean Spears either. Well, that's just me. I think it's cool that he's in the company, and hopefully, he could mold the locker room and teach them the the, the ways of TV and stuff because a lot of them need that. But Cody defeats Darby Allen. Uh, up next, we were supposed to see Rio versus Chris Statlander for the AEW Women's Championship, except Chris Statlander had a uh, an independent date that somehow AEW, I don't know if they knew about it before her signing, but she had this booked for months before signing, weeks before signing, and still advertised Rio versus Chris Statlander. They still ran with that match, which was so disappointing that they did that only to have to change it because Chris Statlander uh, didn't go back on her booking, which is a good thing. Uh, But it was changed into a fatal four-way match where the top three uh, other contenders, the top, the the rankings above Chris Statlander, that being Dr. Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida, and Nyla Rose. And I think Emi Sakura should have been this because... She's, uh, they don't have many ranked women in the divisions. She's the fifth one. So I figured why not just add everybody to the match? Give everybody a fair, a fair shot at least, I guess. If you're, if you're going to just cancel the fact that Chris Statlander has a match for it next week. But Rio picks up the victory in uh, what I thought was a very sloppy ending. Um, and then next week they didn't mention Chris Statlander at all until after the match. So she has a, a championship match. I was pulling for Hikaru Shida here. I think she's probably the best, uh, the best wrestler on their roster for the women's division. Um, match up next. We saw John Moxley defeating Trent. Uh, Chris Jericho is still trying to to get John Moxley to join the inner circle. He's giving him gifts and, and stuff, which I don't I don't don't see John Moxley joining the inner circle. I don't know if we're going to be seeing some sort of storyline take place at New Japan Pro Wrestling at all between the two of them. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Match up next was Sammy Guevara taking on and defeating Dustin Rhodes, which annoyed me because. Dustin Rhodes did that um, Canadian Destroyer on the ring apron, and it didn't win the match. That wasn't the end of the match. It makes no sense how a Canadian Destroyer on the hardest part of the ring didn't end the match. That just doesn't make sense to me. 
And then the we also had a segment where uh, MJF laid down the uh, how Cody will get to face him. I forget everything else except for the fact that there's going to be a cage match. The very first cage match in AEW history, which I think should be interesting in itself to see what kind of cage. If they have like a WWE-esque sort of style cage or, um, or an old school WWF-E sort of ring cage. So we will be seeing MJF versus Cody, I assume, on Revolution, at Revolution, which takes place on the 29th of February. Or maybe we'll see it at Bash of the Beach, which is the 15th of January. I don't know. But the the main event saw the Elite team up against the Lucha Bros and Pac, which, again, I have no idea why Pac is interested in in teaming with anybody. I feel like we've seen... So many six-man tags in this company, and Pac has been a part of so many of them. He's supposed to be this, like, singles guy, doesn't care about anybody but himself. And then here he is, just on in this match, and after they, they pick up the victory, after the Elite wins, they try to get... Cody Rhodes comes out, and they, then they try to get Hangman Adam Page, who was doing commentary, who's kind of, like, doing this drunk... Like, oh, I don't care about my life, ho-hum. Sort of like a woe-is-me gimmick. It, it, I don't I don't like that new gimmick. I think it's stupid. Uh, they try to get him to come down to the ring to celebrate, show him that he is part of the elite, but that, that they don't do that, so whatever. But speaking of whatever, you can get anything you'd like from our sponsor. Check it out. The following announcement has been paid for by Marking Out. You want to make a fashion statement? Marking Out t-shirt. We're here for business. Pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans. We've got large, extra large. We've got bread inside. Go buy the shirt. The Marking Out t-shirts start at $19.99, plus shipping and handling. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out to order yours today. The preceding announcement has been paid for by Mark and Out. I'd say that was too sweet. Speaking of sweet, let's move on to SmackDown. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Miz were backstage. Miz spoke to Daniel Bryan about The Fiend and what he did to him and his family and everything that The Fiend caused to Miz. And he said that he, he's going to be taking everything away from The Fiend. He's going to go after everything The Fiend cares about. So that should be interesting whether or not to see... If Miz shows up in the Firefly Funhouse studio to take out, uh, like, Abby and um, all the other puppets that I can't think of the names of right now. (laughs) But he also told Daniel Bryan to defeat the Fiend at the Rumble. Which later on, Miz was walking backstage, kind of sulking, not really into anything. And he runs into the New Day. New Day, obviously, they're all like cheery and they try to cheer him up and he's not having any of it. Kofi's like, oh, Miz, come on. You, and he ran down his accomplishments from the past decade, all the championships that he won, which Big E mentioned that they're tied for the most title wins in the decade, which actually belongs to our truth if you want to be technical about it, since he has 33 single uh, championship wins in in that last decade compared to Miz and Kofi Kingston, who were tied for 14. 
But I guess WWE doesn't want to count the 24-7 championship since there's, like, no rules and whatever. But Miz, Miz ends up throwing the pancakes on the ground and challenges Kofi. Kofi accepts. Uh, next up, we saw Bailey and Sasha Banks out for a promo. Uh, Bailey, it was all about change, which wasn't it wasn't a great promo at first, but towards the end of it, it started to be better. And Lacey Evans and Dana Brooke cut them off, which Lacey came out and said, like, "Oh, you can't keep my daughter's name out of your mouth." But neither of them were talking about her kids, so I didn't understand that. And then Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross came out. Bliss questioned whether or not they belong in that match due to having nothing to do with that feud between Lacey and Boston Hug. But Nikki Cross brought up the point saying that if they want to become champions again, then yes, that's what they need to do. They need to have that match. But uh, I I thought it was an awkward promo from everyone, all three teams. All around, but Lacey Evans and Dana Brooke pick up the victory over Boston Hug and Bliss and Cross, which uh, I like that w- there was one spot when Sasha Banks did a blind tag to Dana Brooke. Bailey ripped Dana Brooke out of the ring and attacked her, so I thought that was pretty cool. And I know that Bailey and Sasha Banks have been teaming the longest, but their work has like they worked absolutely the best as a tag team in this match. Like, they were making constant tags, which I like. They were doing double-team moves that, like, we don't normally see from people. So it was nice. And then the match comes to an end. Lacey hits the woman's right on uh, Sasha Banks. And Dana hits that really nasty swanton to win the match. But I guess my only real complaint here is that I don't get why they keep booking singles wrestlers into tag-team feuds. Like, it happened with Flair... And Becky Lynch on Monday Night Raw. Somewhat of Charlotte, you could toss her. Uh, not Charlotte. Uh, Natty, you could toss Natty in there. Um, and now it's happening with Lacey Evans and Dana Brooke. Just like um, Nakamura. I don't know why they're doing that, but whatever. We had a performance from Elias, which he's doing the comedy songs and everything. But... To me, the segment, it seemed like a waste of a segment. Like, they have nothing to do with him. Like, they have no ideas with what to do. I I think it's kind of annoying since last year, he was really, really over. So, that kind of sucks. But up next, you have the Revival promo from earlier in the night, Air, which... It's just them backstage talking about how stupid the street fight was and how WWE is mistreating them. And Shorty G walked in, told them to embrace everything. Then they made fun of him, and Shorty G challenged Dash Wilder to a match, which then uh, happens. Shorty G picks up the victory over Dash Wilder, which I thought was a really good match, and I appreciate when they have matches like this. Um, Dawson, after the match, attacked Shorty G, and they hit Shatter Machine. Sheamus returns, and it looked like he was about to go after the Revival, and Shorty G gets up, and boom, gets hit with the bro kick. Almost kicks Chad Gable's head off. Maybe uh, maybe we'll see the return of the name Chad Gable. Maybe, I don't know who else, like, who could Sheamus possibly be going after next to, I, I don't know, to, like, fit with his promos, I guess. 
Um, up next, though, we saw Kofi Kingston defeat Miz, which I think was kind of expected given their earlier exchange. But Miz attacked Kofi after the match. Big E kind of like chases him off. And I have to say that I like this part of Miz's character. The fans are all chanting, you suck. But the way I look at it, it's not his fault that he's doing what he's doing. It's he's beyond angry and fed up with the fiend. He can't do anything about it. He's like hopeless, helpless. And I feel like he's just trying to... He, he's lost in his mind with what to do, with how to protect his family. So I think he's not yet a heel, and I don't know if we'll see him be a heel. But later on in the night, Kathy Kelly tried to get an interview with Miz, and John Morrison opened the door and said Miz has nothing else to say for tonight. So that I marked out big time for that. Because I definitely wasn't expecting John Morrison to show up on SmackDown tonight. Um, I don't know where that's going to lead to because Miz is still kind of in the storyline with The Fiend and Daniel Bryan. And I don't, I don't think, I don't know if we'll see or like an actual return of Miz and Morrison as a tag team. But I hope we don't see... Miz turn full heel. I still want to see him like try to deal with the fiend because of what the fiend did to his family and sort of have like a redemption match for that match that took place between the two of them. But after that, we saw Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns interviewed backstage where Daniel Bryan explained kind of what I'm saying with the Miz, where like everyone the fiend faces he breaks them. And Daniel Bryan said the only person that he hasn't broken was, was Daniel Bryan, which kind of sucks in that promo sense because the Miz didn't face the fiend. He broke, I mean, he faced Bray Wyatt, but Daniel Bryan said he's going to be walking out of the Royal Rumble as champion. And Roman Reigns said he's going to be entering the Royal Rumble and he's going to win the Royal Rumble. And he said to Daniel Bryan that nobody took that Universal Championship away from him, so he better be ready to face him for WrestleMania. So right now, I think they're kind of swerving us with the thought of Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Even though I think signs all point to maybe Roman Reigns versus The Fiend, which I'm fine with. Uh, with the next match up, we saw Otis defeating Drew Gulak. Before the match, Drew Gulak cut a promo saying Mandy would never date someone like Otis and had a PowerPoint presentation for him and like dragged him into the ring, which sort of stems from earlier in the night where uh, Mandy was backstage with Otis wishing him a happy new year, asked if if his mother made anything special for New Year's, and then he's like, why don't you ask Ziggler? And that's when Tucker pulled them away for for the match. But this match, I think if this match was uh, a match in Evolve, I think it would have been so much, like, there's like a big difference between an indie wrestling match, obviously, and a SmackDown TV match. Even if this took place on like a live event and it was just like a regular singles match and they were given time for it, I think they would put on a really good match because they both have very similar styles to them even though 
they're prior to WWE similar similar styles because Otis comes from that the the amateurish not amateurish the amateur wrestling background. So I think that's that that would be cool to see them actually go have like an actual indie match, sort of say. But uh, they showed fire and desire watching the match backstage. Ziggler was talking to Mandy, and she told him that uh, that he should apologize to Otis. So it should be interesting to see where they're going with that. Up next, Braun Strowman defeats Cesaro. Uh, Nakamura, after the match, hit him with the Kinshasa. I'm not really sure why the referee didn't kick Nakamura and Sami Zayn from ringside after they got involved in front of him. But whatever, I think, uh, not, it's like a whole thing, this whole podcast is, but whatever. Uh, I think Nakamura versus Strowman should be an interesting match. Because I don't want to see Braun Strowman win the Intercontinental Championship. I just I feel like there's so much more that could be done with Nakamura. And should be done with Nakamura. Like he shouldn't be having these tag team matches. We need something to elevate the, the championship back to where it was once at. And uh, I mean with The Fiend as champion... Nakamura should be main eventing every SmackDown. It's just like on Raw. Brock Lesnar's champion, he doesn't show up. So they should, in turn, maybe have the U.S. Championship main eventing somewhat of every, or the Tag Team Championships. But they don't do that. They don't. It's weird. There was at one point that they did it, but we haven't seen that recently. Uh, The main event, we saw Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns, I want to say defeat Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler due to to disqualification, but I'm assuming maybe the match was a no contest. Um, During the match, the Fiend's laughter started to play, which they then cut to commercial. And when they came back to commercial, Daniel Bryan was nowhere to be found. So I, it was hard to tell whether or not The Fiend had anything to do with that until I saw Daniel Bryan get back up on the, the ring apron. And then later on, just as Daniel Bryan seemed like he was about to win, he hit the, the flying knee and everything, out go the lights. And when they came back on, they were red, and The Fiend was out ringside by commentary. Daniel Bryan dives out onto him. They brawl. Um... And then The Fiend, I like this. Normally we complain about barricade spots, but The Fiend drove Daniel Bryan through the barricade with the mandible claw. That's like at least something new that we haven't seen, so I thought that was cool. Um, Which part of me expected Roman Reigns to kind of like save Daniel Bryan here, but I understand that like you 100% don't want Roman Reigns involved with The Fiend because it's like... Well, just yet at least, I guess, because it's a completely different path where you're still wanting Daniel Bryan and just The Fiend, and maybe Miz as well. But I think with Miz, we should have kind of maybe maybe seen him run down to help fight The Fiend. If he has such a problem with The Fiend and he like wants to do everything he can to, to get one up over over The Fiend, then I don't understand why he wasn't part of this segment, but... After that, after The Fiend disappears, Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler attack Roman Reigns. 
when he went to go check on Daniel Bryan and Corbin ends up handcuffing Roman Reigns. Ziggler goes, gets the dog food from under the ring. And before they could pour the dog food, the Usos make their return and they take out King Corbin and Dolph Ziggler. And I thought that was pretty cool because I wasn't expecting to see the Usos. Wasn't expecting Sheamus earlier. Wasn't expecting John Morrison. So well done. And it's still really crazy to see Sheamus looking the way he looked in 2010. And the Usos got got new haircuts. They have they don't have the long hair anymore. Uh, but that's SmackDown. Now it's time to ask myself, hey Brandon, got any shout outs? Hi, this is Casey Kasem, and up next on the American Top 40, Brandon shout out. The first shout out goes to WWE 24 Trish Stratus. Uh, I think it was pretty cool to see them talk about all her accomplishments prior to WWE and how she came to be Trish Stratus and how she like broke into the business and stuff. Also, uh, I completely forgot that her debut on the main roster happened at the Nassau Coliseum. So I, I really like the, the 24 documentaries that they do and even like the day of stuff. I mean, Table of Three is great. This is just everything. Everything on the WWE Network is great. Uh, AAA gets the next shout-out because they have wrestling on Twitch 24-7. And and it's really awesome to know that anytime I could just go on their Twitch and check out some Lucha Libre from the past. Uh, And then the last shout-out goes to Fogo de Show. I went there last week, and I, I thought... They have a new location out on Long Island, and I thought it was a lot better than the one in Manhattan. They had um, this, like, grilled cheese. It wasn't, like, it wasn't bread. It was just actual cheese that was grilled, and they put honey on it. It was so good. And I I also tried chicken hearts there because it's like, why not? Um, But those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for my... is right my mark out moment of the week i got a few of them uh new year's eve it's kind of weird that they didn't play this during smackdown but i guess because our truth is on monday night raw but elias was still there um first and foremost i was not expecting elias to be at the uh the on the new year's eve on fox special that they had but he was there and he performed he actually was one of the performers randomly in the street which was cool uh but they had mojo raleigh win the 24 7 championship from r-truth then elias ends up smashing his guitar over mojo's back and r-truth won it again so i thought that was pretty cool i wasn't expecting to see wrestling they had the whole uh roman reigns versus dolph ziggler match which Corey said it was in Brooklyn, but they apparently taped it in Detroit. So I don't know why they were trying to like pass it off as if that was Barclays Center. Um, but and they build that as like the last WWE match of 2019 uh, and of the decade. But it actually went to r Truth and Mojo, so that's kind of cool. Uh, my next shout out 
uh, not shout out, mark out moment of the week comes from NXT this week. They had the award show and everything, but they announced the teams that will be in the Dusty Classic um, and the matches, I guess. Also, they have Imperium, which is Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel teaming up to take on the Forgotten Sons. You have Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne teaming up to take on Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. You have Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly of the Undisputed Era taking on Gallus, uh, Mark Coffey, and Wolfgang. And then you have Grizzled Young Veterans, which is James Drake and Zach Gibson, taking on Kushida and a mystery partner. And the reason why it's my like a markout moment is because, like, hello, who else? I feel like anybody else now is going to be such a letdown because instantly when they say mystery partner and Kushida, I think time splitters and I think of Alex Shelley. So if it's not Alex Shelley and Kushida winning the Dusty Classic or even being in the Dusty Classic, I'm going to be kind of disappointed. But that's I marked out instantly when I saw that. And then uh, I guess last but not least, it's just from SmackDown, Sheamus, John Morrison and the Usos returning. Pretty cool. So that's the mark out moment of the week. That is marking out episode 465. Check us out. YouTube.com slash marking out 11. Instagram.com slash marking out 11. Facebook.com slash marking out. At marking out on Twitter. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. At Chris Sweendog. At Dave the Rave underscore MO. At BTTG161. ProWrestlingTees.com slash marking out. Definitely uh, check out that sale, New Year. Get the 20% off. And we wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week.